Uh, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and we have a fantastic episode today. We have Sherry Murphy, who is the CEO and founder of Elite Connections International. Sherry, thank you so much for taking the time to join us. How are you doing today? Great. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? And then we'll, we can get into the Elite Connections and the, uh, and the international matchmaking. Well, I uh, started my company 26 years ago. I'd been single for a long time. I was working in real estate. I had two children and I really kind of wasn't too happy with my job. So I uh, joined a matchmaker, met my future husband, and then I started my own company. Wow. So you actually used a matchmaker, found your own love story, and then replicated that for hundreds and thousands of people across the world. That's, That's right. So let's just kind of take that step by step. So back a few years ago, you were in real estate and what made you then change or kind of get out of real estate and create your own business initially? Well, when you're in real estate, you're actually working for yourself. I never got a single lead from any company I worked for. I, I, um, you know, opened 16 escrows within the first six months. I, it's not like I wasn't doing well. Um, it's just, you know, your weekends are not free. The people want to see homes when they're not working. Uh, it's the biggest investment of their life. So you're showing you're working on their time, which is after work and on the weekends, holidays. I sold houses on Easter. You know, I was just, I had children, I had family, and I was tired of just being, um, you know, run by other people's time frame. So, um, that was a big issue. And when I met my husband, I thought, you know, this is really a great way for people to meet people. I felt safe. I had um, been attacked by a serial murderer when I was 21. I got away. I helped catch him. You know, it's a crazy story. But so once you've had something like that happen to you, you really, you know, safety was a huge issue for me. So I felt good meeting someone that had been screened by another person. I trusted her and I, I just thought this is just a great way for people to meet each other. And my friends were all dating on the personal ads and I just thought they were crazy. Somebody was going to get murdered. So, um, if there was a serial murderer out there, I probably would have picked him. Um, wow. So, meet so very interesting stories then. So, okay. We see the value in it, uh, initially for you and especially with that extra layer of security. And then how did you go about starting the business or starting the new business and, transitioning out of real estate, which was by the sounds of it, not very time friendly and lifestyle friendly for what you wanted to build. Um, but taking those first few steps, if you can run us through kind of how you set up, what you did, what worked, what didn't work. You know what? I just started off slow. Um, I just kind of went uh, one client at a time and helped them meet someone, worked with them. And as time went along, I added more people. And then I uh, found a, another matchmaker to work with me. Um, she came from another company who the lady had uh, just kind of left town with, left her with these clients they'd signed up. So she brought them over. Uh, we worked on matching all of them together and we just, you know, slowly built the business. And then as the business got bigger, obviously you start to encounter different issues when it's more than just you and another founder or another employee. How did you then scale the business to where, to where you have a lot more um, than just one or two people working for you now? Right. Well, I started off working in my house. Then we 
opened an office in Beverly Hills. That was my first office. And then I had to find a good person to work in that office. You know, that was really the hardest part because it's great to, you know, come into a nice office and say you're a matchmaker, but can you actually go out and find matches for the clients? That's the hardest part of a business. So finding those special people that can actually do their job is, um, it's, you know, in any company, I'm sure it's the same thing. Um, um, what were some of the steps that you took to find that good person and then attract them into the business and keep them into the business? Well, um, I reached out to people. Well, I, first I started hiring scouts. So people that would be in LA, uh, once we opened other offices, uh, people that lived in Miami area, Boca, New York to refer quality single people to us. And then they get paid for the people that they send in. So that was a first step. And then I decided I'm going to ask those scouts to refer other scouts. And so by doing that, I ended up with one of my most fabulous matchmakers, uh, Claudia in uh, Miami. She's just done an amazing job, really cares. You know, you've got to have somebody that really cares about the people they sign up. Because, yes, you know, the people join with us, they spend quite a lot of money, but you, you still have to care about them, and you have to take care of them, you have to make sure they're matched, and you have to talk to them a lot, and return their calls, return their emails, and that's not something that everybody uh, is good at. Definitely. You definitely need that personal touch, and then I'm hearing a lot of value add as well. It's not just about bringing in numbers, but you really have to add that value and love and care to each client. Right. Uh, and obviously that then refers more and more clients as you get success. That's right. Perfect. That sounds really good. And then how have you dealt with technology changes over the years? Like, you know, when you started the business back in, what was it, 1994-ish, around that area? Mm -hmm. um, compared to today, there's been so many changes in technology and apps and, and you name it. How have... How's matchmaking changed and impacted your business over that time frame? Well, in the beginning, you know, we already had computers. We had the internet. Um, it was really just getting started. And I had one of the first, I think, one of the first um, real estate uh, websites. And I was getting calls from Germany. So not that I sold anybody in Germany a house, but I got it that it was working. You know, people were finding me somehow. I understood it was working. So when I started my matchmaking company, I had some guys who were good at computers. They're like, you've got to have a website. You know, they designed a website for me and they said, but you also should have a singles dating site where people can just find each other and just do it all online and meet each other that way. And I said, nobody's going to do that. Well, of course they will. And <laughs> that was one of my biggest, probably biggest mistakes financially. But, um, just because something doesn't work for you doesn't mean it's not going to work for other people. So it kind of gave me more of an open mind even in my business because just because I think something needs to be a certain way doesn't mean that it's another way is not going to work for other people. So each client that comes in, we kind of work around what's going to work for them. It can't be the same for every single person. So that how, do, how do you then tailor those experiences and scale at the same time. There's got to be a balance there somewhere, right? Well, we, you know, there definitely has to be a balance and sometimes the clients just don't listen to us, but 
um, that's where, you know, good communication skills comes through and uh, helps you in your matchmaking. But um, not that everybody always listens. And sometimes people get frustrated and meet one person they don't like and they want to give up. But um, I've had many people that I've helped get married when they've hung in there and kept meeting people. See, I think that's a really good point. You, you have clients that don't always listen. I think a lot of us can kind of resonate with that. I'm definitely in that boat where a lot of clients don't like to hear financial advice or opinions that aren't in line with what they wanted to hear. How do you go about dealing with that and kind of make, not making, but like getting your point across to the client so that they get and they really like take action on what you're saying if they don't necessarily agree with it or well you know each person uh each person is different um i can remember a man that was sitting across the table from me and i showed him a few uh women that i thought he should meet and he just said you know not his type not his type and i just said well you know if you aren't going to listen to me why are you here you're just going to pay me to do what you want and date the same kind of women that you've been already dating that hasn't worked out. And he looked at me and just said, yeah, you're right. And he pushed the book away and he goes, whoever you think I should meet, that's who I'll meet. But you know, that's a, a very intelligent man that has run multiple businesses and been very successful at all of them, but also smart enough to know that, yeah, he's coming and paying me for help. He should listen to me. Yeah. I can't get through to everybody, but, you know, we, we try very hard. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then uh, in terms of creating a, a culture in your company of love and value and really caring, how have you nurtured that over the years and has it changed and like, how has it developed over the years? Well, I always really cared about every person that we signed up. You know, you want them to be happy. You want to go to their wedding. and. Um, it's it's just you have to hire people that have similar values you can't hire somebody that's just in it to make some money and they really don't care about anybody but themselves so it's picking a good solid team of people that are caring people so I have uh, a couple uh, several single moms that are working for me uh, first of all single mom I learned in real estate I walked in to get a job one time and this guy said you're like the best person I could possibly find for this job, a single mom that's got to pay her bills. So they work hard, but they're also, they're a giving person. They have a child to take care of. So, you know, their heart's grown a little bit. Um, not that everybody that works for me has children, but they all are caring people. They care about their clients and they want to have a good reputation, which if you don't take care of your clients, that's not going to happen. Okay, so let's just kind of digest that a little bit. So it's finding the type of personality fit that has the same core beliefs as you or similar. And if you can find that in a specific type of person that fits as well, then that's perfect. And, and that's a good match to, for you to then bring into the organization and help grow it further. What, what do you see the future of matchmaking being over the next, let's say, five to ten years? Well, we, um, are, for us, I mean, we're steadily growing and expanding and opening new offices. So, I mean, I'm hoping by the time I'm ready to retire and my daughter take over, 
uh, we'll have an office in every major city of the United States and, and at least seven locations in, in, the, um, in Europe. Wow, fantastic. So you're going to expand globally and have a bigger footprint there. That's fantastic. And then do you think technology will play a bigger part in your business or how can you innovate and incorporate technology into your matchmaking side? Well, we've always uh, used uh, the database online uh, to share with the other matchmakers so they can find matches. I mean, it's something that had to be done. I don't, you know, there's always new uh, online services that are popping up, but the more and more that happens, the more people that are getting burned out on online dating and coming to us. So, I mean, I at first I kind of panicked, and when Match.com first came out, we stopped getting calls, really slowed things down. But in the end, it made our business much stronger because people tried something different. It opened up their mind to trying a different way to find meet someone. And then when that didn't work, they wanted that personal touch and help again. That's actually a really good point. So let me reframe that. Um, so you, you thought you had a huge competitor that could potentially wipe out the business because of the way they were marketing and funded and kind of just everywhere initially when they started. People were trying, business went down, but you persevered, you stuck it out, and you found playing a long-term game, people really did there was always going to be a market for that matchmaking type of client that is not just looking to go on lots of quick dates, but is actually right. looking for a lifelong partner. Yes. You know, they want quality matches. They don't want to waste their time going out with somebody that says they're 20 years younger than they are and using their sister's picture or whatever it is people do. Now you hear all these nightmare stories and, um, you know, TV shows, Dirty John, all those things, you know, really happen. And I've met people, things like that have happened too. So um, people are more careful. They don't want to waste their time. Life is short. You know, why do you want to end up with something that's going to make your life miserable? You want to find somebody that really is who they say they are and who is equal to you or doing even better. You know, if you're, if you're educated and you want somebody that's the same way, why do you want to meet somebody that just made up a bunch of lies online? Um, it's yeah, just so too think, easy to do that. To kind of reframe that in a wider context, it's more along the lines of just because you think someone may be your competition doesn't mean they're going to take the, all of the market share and there's always going to be a place for everyone. It's, you've, you, it's more about you figuring out where your place is and honing really closely in on your niche and doubling down in that specific area rather than being frightened or put off by the next biggest company or a venture-backed company or competing with the, the perceived big boys. There's, a, there's always market share out there for everyone. That's definitely right. Um, there's always room for always. someone new. You just have to work hard to make your space. Sherry, as, as we look to wrap up, I'd like to end with one question. Um, and that is, if you had to attribute your success over three factors, being drive, skill, and luck, how would you uh, apportion that? I would line it up as drive, skill, and luck. <laughs> That's exactly the right order. <laughs> and how much in terms of what percentage would you put into the drive is more important than skill versus luck? And How's that work? I'd say uh, probably 70% drive, 20% uh, skill, and 10% luck. 
Got it. Fantastic. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate you sharing all your wisdom with us. And we will put links down below to Elite Connections International so people can reach out directly to you there. Okay, thank you. It was fun talking with you. <laughs>